Yes, good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, September 20, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. Very good morning to you wherever and however you're listening. And uh, the big news last night, uh, just in the days leading up to the AFL Grand Final on Saturday, of course, is that Lance Franklin, buddy, uh, one more, it said on the statement put out by the Swans last night. So Lance Franklin has signed a one-year extension. And how about this? He's the only player from the 2004 draft still on an AFL list. He's going to go around again. Loz, morning to you, mate. Yeah, morning, everybody. Uh, morning, boys. Um, yeah, it came as a bit of a surprise last night because I thought uh, Buddy wouldn't do anything until at least after the grand final. And then all reports were that he wasn't going to re-sign with Sydney. He was on the move. But the Swans have been able to convince him to stay for one more year. And what a week to announce it in grand final week. Um, you know, he signed that massive deal to come up to Sydney, a long-term deal. Uh, the club has been in a couple of grand finals, but they haven't won one. They get a chance with Buddy again this year. Uh, he's a little bit quiet in the first final um, against Melbourne, but he certainly found his rhythm on Saturday against Collingwood. He kicked a couple of goals. He's getting ball to the ground, getting the ball to the ground for his little small forwards to to swoop on. Um, and this is massive news for the Swans leading into the grand final this weekend. You can imagine all the players this morning knowing that Buddy's going to be there for another year, rocking into training today, being very, very excited. Why go to Queensland when you can stay here in sun, sunny Sydney town? Pup, morning to you, mate. Morning, boys. Morning to our listeners. Yep, how good. How good for all the Sydney siders. Um, yeah, he's obviously made a decision. Uh, I've no doubt he would have spoken to uh, his wife and his family, but yeah, great for Swannies fans and obviously great for Buddy as well. He, he's always said how much he's loved being here in Sydney. Uh, it's become home for him, and yep, he'll uh, looks like he's staying, which is awesome. Uh, just on uh, wives and you know, sporting heroes and legends. I saw an article. I thought of you straight away the other day, pup. Giselle oh, no. was spotted walking through Central Park in New York with tears in her eyes. Oh my god! So there must be. There, it must be just all falling apart with her it's and over. Tom Brady. It's over. It's gone. She could not have been crying about anything else. No way. Uh, yep, well, it's the world we live in, you know, isn't it? That's it. That's it. Unfortunately. Uh, just some other news last night in racing laws. The connections are very elegant, have decided to pay the late entry fee of 180000 thereabouts Australian, to run in the Arc de Triomphe at Longchamp, October 2, where it is $21 with tab in the all-in market. So after that run, which we watched the yeah. other night, where she looked like she you know, was markedly improved, why not have a crack? You got the horse over there, pay the late entry. You nearly uh, shocked me then, Mido, because you know what I thought you were going to say? What? Late entry fee for another tilt at the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> I was just like, really? <laughs> well, she'd have... Significant weight. If she yes, that way. she would. She would for a mare. Um, she'd have to uh, break records, I would assume. Uh, oh, but that's that's good news. We, we all thought the run was was pretty good. Hmm. Um, and if the owners and the trainers think that she's ready to go and she's up for a race like that, good on her. She's got nothing to prove. Uh, certainly here in this country, uh, but she's been a fantastic mare. She's one of our. Great champions, and we'd love her to run well in that race. Love to see it for sure. Uh, now, just looking at the markets ahead of these NRL preliminary finals this week, nothing's really changed in the last 24 hours. You've still got the Cowboys at $1.70, the Eels $2.15 Friday night, 
Penrith a dollar thirty-eight, Souths three dollars ten Saturday night. The line in that one eight and a half. Souths, of course, the plus the teams to be uh, well announced later today uh, via the NRL website and the clubs. But firstly, look, why Penrith? When you finish first, shouldn't you play on the Friday night? I know that happens in the AFL. If you're the minor premiers, yeah. shouldn't you get the Friday, the, the first prelim? You know what? I, I don't know the reason behind that. I always assumed that the first team played earlier, but... In the days of head listeners... knocks, this becomes important. Well, it gives you an extra couple of days to get ready for a grand final, mm. doesn't it? Um, if you receive a head knock. Um, I, look, I, I don't know the reason why, but at the end of the day, um, there's 24 hours difference, which could be the difference between you getting up for a grand final and not. Um, Parramatta, though, I suppose, because they have to travel to Townsville, that might have came into consideration because it's difficult to get there. And I know that they're chartering a flight to get up there, mm. but, you know, it, it, it can knock you around, uh, that travel up north. So I'm assuming that might have been part of the reason why they're playing on the Friday night. What do you make of... The Parramatta, I guess, hit-and-run mission. We saw Penrith do it a couple of weeks ago in the final week of the regular season, even though they rested a lot of their players for that match. Uh, but I guess considering the, the difference in conditions there in North Queensland, yeah. and you know, it's not exactly, it's not like they're going up there to acclimatise or anything. No. They're going up there, uh, going to just deal with the heat pretty much for 24 hours and get out of there. Yeah, the, the hardest thing I've always found, and this is when I was playing at Canberra, so you're going from Canberra weather to Townsville weather, is is the heat and humidity obviously hits you and affects you. But it affects you in that first 10 or 15 minutes because you go out to warm up and you're saturated by the time you go back inside the dressing shed and you're not wanting to talk about the weather. But it's once you get out there and you get into the rhythm of the game, I always found the longer it went, the better you felt. But it was the initial 15 minutes where you're gasping for air and it's difficult to breathe because you're not used to it. Um, that's the hardest thing. And, and, and at times you can get blown away in that period. I'm not saying you don't get fatigued the longer the game goes, because you do, but you tend to sort of handle it. It's the initial shock of that 10 or 15-minute opening burst. If the opposition are playing well, it's, sometimes it's hard to go with them early. Um, but you just got to be able to find your way into the contest and stay close, find your rhythm, and then you kick into gear. Um, but it's always difficult early. Always difficult early when you go and play in different temperatures compared to what you're used to playing in. I reckon I'd prefer to be there for a few days. Just soak it all up. What do you reckon, Clarky? I mean, it'd be, it wouldn't be too dissimilar to going to India, say, what, tomorrow, and then playing in a test match on Friday. You, yeah, you, well, you always get, you know, a week or two, don't you? You play a tour match, etc., to acclimatise. I know we're talking completely different sports here, but yeah, still. and time difference and flight. Like, I, th- I think the main thing for us why we used to travel early was really to get over the flight and the time difference, mm. not so much acclimatised to temperature. So, you know, if I th- even if you think about Sheffield Shield games uh, in state cricket, you would fly in maximum the day before the game. Or maximum, sorry, two days before the game. But generally, it was day, but morning before the game, you would fly. So the heat in Queensland is obviously different to, you know, we're playing at the Gabba is different to playing at the SCG. But very rarely did we, yeah, did we fly in any earlier. Different overseas, like I say, India's, what's that, 10-hour flight? 
you know, so it was more to get over that and let your body recover after being, you know, on a plane sitting still. I, I don't know. I, I feel like when you're, in cricket terms, when you're playing, when we were playing in India or the UAE or things like that, it, it's nearly like mentally you know what you're in for. So you, you don't, you might feel it physically, but mentally you don't. It, it, it's more, okay, uh, extra preparation around, you know, being hydrated and things like that before you get onto the field. Once you get onto the field, yeah, it's hot, yeah, you're sweaty, but you just, I don't know, you, you find a way to just get on with it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'd imagine if teams are doing this, it's obviously for a reason. They, they they might feel if you just if the less time you spend there, the less you, like Loz said, the less you talk about yeah, it. Depends, the less you focus on it. Dep- depends what your group's like too. Sometimes your group doesn't, you know, they don't want to be away from their families. Uh, they found what works for them is a hit and run mission, and also the fact that you look at your recovery for the next week, and with the grand final coming up, you don't want to preempt anything and just assume you're going to make it. But you've got to have all bases covered. Mm-hmm. So if Parramatta make the grand final, they're back in Sydney to sleep in their bed on Friday night um, and then they give themselves a, a better chance of recovery or recovering from that game um, and get themselves ready for a, an eight-day preparation leading into a, a grand the, final. The other thing, Laws, what's what's the temperature there in, in Townsville? 28, 28 degrees? Yeah, it'd be something the, like that. The boys yeah, are training it. in Sydney in hotter conditions and that in their pre-season anyway. So I know there's a long distance between, you know, now and when they'll do in pre-season, but... It's not like they haven't trained in hotter conditions. So to me, you know, it's not middle of summer, 40 degrees. It's 28 degrees. Okay, I've got the Townsville forecast here. What about this Friday? Minimum 20, max 30. Matt, there you go. Plus the humidity. Get yeah, the humidity is the key. Well, yeah. I don't know what they did when they went to Darwin, because like, they got pumped early well, this year. Well, their record in Townsville's not great. Two from 14, the last 14 games. But again, Canberra weather is different to Sydney weather, and Sydney weather is different to Townsville weather. I can only go on my experiences from going to Canberra to Townsville. It's a it's a massive difference, in particular if you're playing night footy in Canberra to night footy in Townsville. Chalk and cheese. You would have been glowing running out of the field. <laughs> oh, it was lovely being up there, but it just takes you that initial yeah. period to get your breathing going because it's heavier. Your breathing is heavier. Uh, when you go up there to those conditions. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're a Cowboys fan, John O'Shea listens to the program, of course. You've never got a better chance to make a grand final. Playing at Queensland Country Bank Stadium at home in a fixture like oh, this. Oh, 30,000 people. They're playing some really good what football. What an opportunity. You know, they haven't been knocked around. The week off would have done them the world of good. Uh, in particular, coming off that big game against the Sharks, and we saw how sh- flat the Sharks were. Mm. Last weekend against South, they were they were ordinary. The Sharks, you know, poor completion rate defensively. They were off. Um, you know, if you look at the, you know, the Cowboys, they're, they're be- better placed now than what they've ever been to go through to a grand final, because of that fact. They've got a number of players that have played Origin this year. They're young. They're exuberant. They'll be full of confidence. Playing at home, um, week off, conditions to suit. Everything's in their favour. When do you think five years ago when they made their last grand final, they did it the very, very hard way indeed when they won all those games in Sydney and uh, 
they didn't even have Jonathan Thurston at the time as well. He was injured. Michael Morgan was absolutely flying. So There was another JT too who was flying that year, Tamalolo. He was Jason. unbelievable. And his performance in that first final against the Sharks was reminiscent of his best. Mm. He played big minutes. He scored that try to take the game into extra time. Um, and he got through a mountain of work. And he got stronger as the game got longer. And not many forwards do that. That so-called spat with he and Todd Payton feels like a lifetime ago. Well, whatever happened with those two, it's worked. Mm. Because Tamalolo now is starting to play his best football again. Uh, He's starting to play longer minutes. And you're only playing longer minutes if you're upholding your standards on the footy field. They're not going to keep you out there if you're not performing and not doing the team expected thing. So that's the other part of Tamalolo's game that has improved out of sight. The, you know, they talk about one percenters or the sacrifices for your team. You know, kick pressures, getting in the line, getting back behind the ball, all those type of things as quickly as you possibly can. He's doing that better now than what he did last season. And Buddy is a feature of the back pages of the papers today. I know he's fronting the media this morning. As well there at the SCG, back page of the Herald, Franklin re-signs for 2023. I'm staying. Buddy Boost as legend agrees to new one-year deal at the Swans on the back page of the Daily Telegraph. I mean, what a record. So he's played, what, 340 games, 1,047 goals, 10 goals from equaling former, well, Geelong and North Melbourne player Doug Wade in what would be fourth place on the all-time goal kickers list. So you got the great Tony Lockett, 1,360 goals. That won't be caught. Gordon Coventry, 1,299. And Jason Dunster, 1,254. So Buddy set to be provided, of course. Touch wood, the body holds up, etc. Set to go to fourth on the all-time goal kickers list. But I just love that stat. 2004 draft. He's the only one still on an AFL list. When you think of the fact that the only person left on that playing from that time is an absolute champion of the game. Um, yeah, it's just a career to be celebrated, Loz. Unbelievable. Oh, he's had a fantastic year, Mido. Uh, a fantastic year. Fantastic career. Um, you know, he's been a legend of the game. He's played for two different clubs. Um, he's won a couple of premierships with Hawthorne. Hasn't won one with the Swans, and what a way to celebrate his his legacy! To be able to kick a few goals in a grand final, win a grand final, um, and a lot of people still have question marks about whether he's been a great buy for the Sydney Swans, given that they haven't won a grand final, and that's the reason why they bought him. But to be running around still from 2004 and delivering in key moments for this Swans team and the lift that he gives other players, his investment has certainly been great. I mean, what, 45,000 people out there on Saturday night, they're all cheering the Swans on. He'd be their um, most recognisable player. Um, He's someone that's brought eyeballs to AFL here in Sydney. Um, But it'd be nice for him to kick a couple of goals on Saturday and win a comp for the Sydney Swans. I think that would be the crowning glory in his career. Certainly Geelong has their own uh, fairy tale and it's Patrick Dangerfield, back page of the Australian Dangerfield's moment for a fairy tale is the headline there and that's the one thing missing from his resume. 302 games, 
no premierships. So uh, that's the story as far as the Cats are concerned. She's been a wonderful player, Dangerfield. Started out with the Adelaide Crows and now at Geelong. Um, they've got an ageing roster, Geelong. They just keep topping up. They don't go away. Uh, they're there or thereabouts. And you know, Chris Scott, I think, won a flag in his first year and then has taken you know, the club to multiple semi-final series but just hasn't been able to get across the line. But, you know, they've got a good forward set up. You've got Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron, two key forwards that can kick goals. Gary Rowan plays against his old club this weekend. Uh, and then you've got the two masters uh, in Joel Selwood and, and Patrick Dangerfield, uh, two of the elite players of the game that have had magnificent careers that will be looking for one another premiership and um, Dangerfield looking for his first premiership. And I see Dangerfield, I think, in fact, is favourite for the Norm Smith yeah. medal. He's uh, $7. He was superb last week. Yeah. I was at that game last in Melbourne for a few days last Friday night. And in the first quarter, he was the best player on the field by panels. Well, there was some talk about him early in the season about him not being as strong in his running game. Um, and I don't know where all that talk was coming from. Obviously, you know, p- people that watch the game closely, they thought that his time may be coming to the, to an end. But he certainly picked it up recently and he's breaking tackles and collecting the ball and being back to Dangerfield of 10 years ago. Uh, with the betting so far with Tab, as Loz mentioned, Dangerfield favourite for the Norm Smith is $7 and a third of the money has been for the Cat Star so far. So overwhelmingly best backed early doors is Patrick Dangerfield. Now also back page of the telly, Arthur's critics are idiots. So Dean Bulldog Richie's spoken to Penrith great, the great Royce Simmons in this article. And uh, well, Bulldog writes that Royce actually uh, pushed Brad Arthur to get into coaching. And I think that's something that uh, many have wondered is uh, just all this pressure that's been on Brad Arthur pup. And uh, here he is on the verge of a grand final. And uh, Royce Simmons saying, well, anyone who basically calling those who are bagging Brad Arthur, that they're embarrassing idiots. And you only have to look at the results. Yeah, look, I think it's a great example, though, of of how, you know, there's an article one day and then the next day you turn the page, there's an article on someone else. We we, we talk about, you know, there's not too many coaches we don't talk about throughout a footy season around, you know, there's an article, well, should they be sacked? Every single coach, unfortunately, and, and it's a shame it's like this because... It's so hard to make sense of, you know. He's, he, he just, his record's phenomenal. I, I know he hasn't won a grand final, and I know, you know, you, you can talk about that as much as you want. But if Brad Arthur's record was the West Tigers coach's record, I'd be doing backflips. So it's always we always think the grass is greener on the other side. And, and I understand you you want to win grand finals, um, but yeah. I, Again, I just think it. I think I think the criticism that a lot of coaches receive are very, very harsh. Thirteen fifty three fifty three is the number. Now, just on the text line here, morning lads. Uh, will the loss of Mitchell Moses' grandmother affect him? Cheers, Scott. And I believe the Eels are moving training around this week, so Mitchell Moses can attend the funeral of his grandmother, who is, of course, uh, Loza Benny Elias. Yeah, and that's that was sad news and. Um, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Elias family. Uh, they're very tight. Um, you know, they love their, their parents. And um, the loss of uh, Benny's mother and Mitch's grandmother uh, will be felt by the, the whole family. So uh, it was a tough day for him yesterday, no doubt about that. 
um, burying their, their mother and grandmother. Um, but she was much loved by the Elias family and she'll be no doubt, uh, no doubt sadly, sadly missed. But, um, yeah, I'm sure it will affect Mitch as the loss of many family members do to a lot of people. Um, everyone handles it in their own way. Um, Mitch has got a uh, game, obviously, on on Friday night, but um, I think his main focus will be on the family and making sure that they're okay first and foremost because family's certainly way more important than a game of football. Straight away, your mind goes back. I'll never forget, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners won't, those scenes. I think it was 1992 when... Mm. Benny's mum came on the field and Benny was bleeding out of the head <laughs> and his mum had the blood all over her face. It was uh, amazing scenes. I was only talking about this with Blocker oh, when, uh, last week or it might have been in, in, uh, in at Fox uh, last week on NRL 360 before he won on air. We were just talking about how Benny's a funny bugger and enjoy his company. And then we started getting talking about, you know, changing of roles in, in a footy team and and, you know, Benny obviously changed the way that Hooker was played. And then we sort of moved on after talking about Benny's skill, about how tough he actually was. I don't think Benny Elias gets enough credit for how tough he was because I know, know for a fact, that everyone wanted to kill Benny. <laughs> everyone hated <laughs> Benny. Everyone wanted to smash Benny. And they tried their hardest and they could never get him. And I know with the Raiders forward pack, they just couldn't wait to try and get hold of Benny. And they'd try their best. And even if they did, Benny would be able to suck a penalty out of them or they just couldn't get hold of him. And then when you played Origin with Benny, you went up there to Queensland or you know, Queensland came down here, you could see them yelling, screaming, pointing Benny Elias out in the, in, in the defensive line. And any time he ran the ball, they wanted to give it to him. And they did when they got hold of him. But Benny would get up, play the ball. Mm-hmm. And he'd make a 1,000 tackles. But, you know, I know that Benny was one of the... The, the smartest number nines uh, changed the role of how hookers were played. Very skillful, arguably the most skillful hooker we've seen. But I don't think he ever got enough credit for how tough he actually was. Mm. Jizzy was a tough player. Oh, yeah. I saw he got crunched in a game against Penrith. I saw some, uh, I think it was That's what it was. Around. It was the, they showed the vision of him getting crushed on was NRL Brad, 360. Brad Izzard. Brad Izzard, yeah. 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 At Leichhardt Oval. Mm. And I think that was a game that Balmain had to win to make the finals. And they did. And Benny Elias, he just had that great show and go. And I think he made a break and then yeah, Brad Izzard hammered him. Hammered him. Great <laughs> hit. And then Benny was sort of, looked like he was out unconscious, mm. but he was okay. He was just playing for the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> he could play for a penalty oh, too. Yeah. The best one um, for... For my, me, when I when I played with Benny, I think I've told this story before, but I, I don't know how. But when we won an Origin game in um, Queensland, we were doing a lap after the series. We'd won the series. <laughs> I don't know why we did a lap. <laughs> and it was Benny going, come on now, we'll shove it up these Queenslanders. We'll do a lap around on their ground. So we did. And anyhow, no one wanted to walk with Benny because I'm telling you, they were just slamming, sledging him. But then people started having apples and oranges. This is the old league part. And they were just pelting that Benny. And everyone was going, Benny, we should get back in. He said, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Love it. <laughs> he, would, he would just love all that stuff. Yeah. Unbelievable, great Benny Elias. Jack, good morning. 
G'day, boys. A little bit fired up here this morning. Oh, we Go love that, it. Jack. That's what we want. Who are you having a crack at, me or Meadow? Meadow, not knowing facts too well. Um, a couple points. Um, Meadow, you mentioned Paragot pumped, what your words were. In Darwin? Yeah, yeah in Darwin. 35 to 4. Yeah, mate. Para, that, 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 that day had an unknown winger, Hayes Plemon, playing on the wing. They had Dylan Brand playing the centres. They had Jake Arthur playing 5-8. I mean, what, what would you expect? Um, their record in Darwin ha- had been pretty good prior to that game. So they can play in the heat. Um, and Paul Kent last night missed a nobody. Gives uh, Parramatta spray about their roster, about that not being a top-four roster compared to Melbourne, Penrith, Roosters and so forth. Is this play cracking jokes or what? I mean, not only they beat Penrith twice, Melbourne twice, and the Roosters twice. He's calling the Parramatta roster. I'm uh, not a top four roster. Your thoughts, boys? Uh, I actually thought Parramatta could win the grand final this year, uh, and I think I had them playing. I think I had them either playing Penrith or the Roosters. I think you had the. I think we both had Penrith Roosters. Uh, sorry, um, Eels Roosters Cornella heading into round one. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I I I've always sort of liked Parramatta, but they've tested my patience a bit this year because I've their best. I go they can win it, and then I see the worst in them. I go, oh geez, they're not consistent enough. But I actually think they are a top four roster myself, personally. I I, I like their team, and when they play what I call Parramatta style football, which I think they've found, which is this offloading game, which brings Moses and. Gutho and Dylan Brown into play because they have to run the ball. I think they're so more effective at doing that. And that's their best chance of beating a team like Penrith. I, I don't think they can beat Penrith by just playing completion football and, you know, things the coaches talk about by, you know, building a game and kick, you know, kicking our way out of trouble and all that type of stuff. I think they've just got to go all out. But I actually think Parramatta have got a very, very good roster. Mido, your thoughts? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, Totally agree. Yeah, and well, I'll take your point. They're six and two in Darwin, in Townsville. But in Townsville, Jack, they haven't got a great record. And you know, you've mentioned the extenuating circumstances from that game earlier this year, but they still lost thirty-five to four. Yeah, yeah, they did, and you know, they wasn't their strongest team they put out there, but they mm. would say internally that they had a team that they put out onto the park that they expected to win with. Mm. And that's what all good teams do, regardless of who's playing, the next man up mentality. You get out there, you play well, and if you don't, you cop your medicine and you get on with it the next week. But they're there in a prelim final. They have to go to Townsville. They've got to try and beat the Cowboys, who have been very well rested. They've flown under the radar this season, the Cowboys, playing good football. My only concern at the Cowboys was they leaked 30 points. And their right edge at times looks very, very shaky to me. And if I'm Parramatta this weekend, every opportunity I get, I'm testing Hiku, Felt, I think it's Townsville on the right, and Nenai. I went back and watched some highlights here against the Sharks, and, geez, they just don't def- – they're not connected in defence right. that edge. Okay. Oh, geez, you'd lick – Oh, you'd be, you'd be licking your lips. Yeah. You'd be licking your lips because yeah. what I saw of them in that game against the Sharks – They'd have one bloke jamming. They'd have one bloke sliding. They weren't all on the same page. Now, that's something they'll try and rectify this week, but they'll need to because if they don't, Parramatta will certainly get them there. Just having a look at that game, that 35-4 to game that was back April 30. 
still had pretty much uh, well, close to their full-strength forward pack. Campbell Gillard, Paulo, uh, Reed Barney, Lane Papali'i, Nathan Brown, Ryan Madison on the bench at the time, Oregon Kafusi on the bench. And you're right, Jack. They had uh, in the centres, Dylan Brown, Jake Arthur, and Mitch Moses in the halves, and Hayes Perham on the wing. But uh, still, a side that uh, pretty competitive side they put up on that occasion. Look, I want Parramatta to win this weekend. I don't want the Queenslanders taking anything from this season. I want the Eels in the grand final, but I'm not sure if I'm going to tip them. Yeah, I don't know who I'm, who I'm going to tip either, sure. by the way. Um, I, I think it'll be a good match. I, th- I think it'll be I'm a quality match. I'm definitely tipping Para. Yep, you're on the train? Yep, I like them. Yeah. I like them. I, I think Parramatta's best can beat anyone. I really do. But the only concern I have with Para, they just tighten up in big games. And I've got to ask Gutho, the thing that I liked about them last week... They they made an error when it was early in the game. They were on the roll. Oh, they might have been 10 points in front. And they were coming out of trouble. And they, they threw an offload. And one of the Raiders players, I think it might have been either White or Rapana, intercepted it. And then I thought, oh, here we go. Parramatta are going to go into their shell here because they've made an error off doing what I think they need to do is offload the ball. But then they got the next set. And they actually continued to play that way. Mm. And I thought, no, nah, they're fine. They're fine. Mm. They're, they're fine. Because I've seen Parramatta in the past just go into their shell, tighten right up and just go away from what has been successful for them. Jack, thanks for the call, mate. On the text line, zero four one nine seven six seven two seven two. My Cowboys are rolling out the red carpet on Friday night with 30 degrees and 90% humidity in Townsville. The Eels forwards won't be able to breathe, says the critic. Uh also hear a text on 10-year deals. Newey Mick, with Jason Taumalolo's 10-year deal, do you think we will see more like this in the future? It seems to be working well for both player and team to date. What other players in the NRL do you think you could safely sign for 10 years? Well, I think we, we were debated this earlier in the year and we said we probably won't see lengths of contract like this again. No, it's a big risk signing someone for a 10-year contract. Um you know, even if you look at Tommy Trebojevic signed a long-term deal, didn't he, Tommy? Did he sign a five-year, six-year deal or something with Manly? Look, his last couple of seasons, he hasn't played a lot of football. But when he plays, you know he's the difference between Manly winning and losing. There'd be only a couple of players that you'd take a gamble on. Um, obviously, um, Cleary, Nathan Cleary out there at Penrith. If you could sign him up for you know, a 10-year period, you'd probably look to do that. Um James Tedesco in his prime, you probably would have looked to have done that. Um, not now, given his age. I think you'd still be prepared to give Tommy a 10-year deal. Six, early in his, or was it a six-year deal? Was, uh, it was late yeah. 2019 yeah, six-year no, deal. Yeah, yeah, no, Tommy would be okay. Well, three years into that six-year deal, two seasons have been essentially lost. He's played seven games oh, in no. two of those three years. It's an interesting years. one, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And in the t- one year he, he did can't play, afford to lose he nearly Tom won Mick. the Dally M. Well, well, he did win the Dally M. Yeah, he sorry. only played 15 <laughs> games or something. Yeah. And two of yeah. those would have been finals. Hmm. So I think he only played 13 games in the regular season and won a Dally M. That's how dominant <laughs> he was. Um, look, there's not many players that I'd give 10-year deals to, but you could certainly give a lot of players a five-, six-year deal. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, though, hmm. isn't it? You know, when you've got good players in your club and you don't want to lose them and they're young and you know what type of 
personality they are. You know whether they're a really strong professional in the way they look after themselves, the way they think about football, the way they conduct themselves. You put the package together and you weigh it all up. Yep, I think that we can trust this bloke to get 10 years out of it. And obviously injury can play a part in it as well. But if you know that, you know, they're doing the right thing on and off the field, you'd be more than prepared to do it, I reckon, to the elite players. Not much left to count down in season 2022, <laughs> so we're going to keep this simple, Loz. Where will these preliminary finals be won and lost? Let's start Friday night while we've uh, got the Eels uh, well and truly in our brains. So the Eels and the Cowboys, just uh, those odds again with Tab, has uh, the Cowboys seventy. Skinny line at two and a half. Cowboys the minus. Parramatta $2.15 head-to-head. So when you look at these two teams, I know the teams are to come out later this afternoon, but you've already mentioned that edge for the ca- uh, for the Cowboys, which you see as vulnerable. But uh, And you've been saying all season with the Eels, they just can't afford to go into their shell. Even when they make a mistake, they've got to continue to attack and offload. Yeah, and, and just keep playing. Just keep playing football. Don't get into a negative mindset at all. They've just got to stay positive for the full 80 minutes, Parramatta, and just trust what they've been able to deliver on when they play well, and that is to play this brand of football. If they go into their shell, they might get away with it against, you know, a Cowboys this weekend. They might. But if they come up against a team like Penrith or a South Sydney, I don't know whether they will. I don't think they can. I think they've got to go for a shootout. But they've got to defend a lot better. And I think their defence has improved um, as the season has gone on. I, I really think their edges of making better decisions. Um, at times during the year and last year, when they were under pressure, their edges panicked. And you get the centre or the winger that just jammed in at the wrong time. But now they've staying more connected on the edge. They push forward and then they hold their space and then move towards the sideline. And they're using that sideline as an extra defender. So I think that's improved out of sight for Parramatta. One thing I'd like to see them do a little bit more, and they didn't do it in the first week of the finals, they didn't put pressure on the kicking game of Nathan Cleary. And all teams will tell you in big games, line speed in defence, to take down the opposition, you need to be up in their face. You need to rattle their cage, but you also need to take time and space away from the playmakers. If you just allow them the opportunity... You know, pick out where they want to kick the ball and put no pressure on them when they dig into the line, then it's going to be a long night because these good players like Luai and Cleary or a Latrell Mitchell or a um, Drinkwater or Dearden, who, who they're coming up against now, will, will cut you open. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll just tear you apart. So you've got to make sure that your line speed, your point of engagement is strong um, and you're very effective in contact. So that's what Parramatta need to do. And they need to think... They don't need to think offload. They need to think run hard because the offloads will come off the back of that. If Campbell Gillard and Paulo and these guys are just charging into the line, that's when their offload comes rather than thinking about it. And the other thing about the offloads, it brings their key players into into vogue because they run the ball. And Moses and Dylan Brown, their strength is is running it. So I reckon that's something that they need to do. We spoke about the Cowboys. They can score from anywhere. They score from kicks a lot. Geez, they score from kicks a lot. And They're their not. back rowers do it. And I think Tom Gilbert scored the first try against the Sharks from a kick. So that's something they need to work on too, Parramatta, how they defend attacking kicks. Um, but the Cowboys, they play down that left edge so well with 
um, Valentine Haynes, he's become a real threat uh, along with Murray Tuolangi. So that's uh, an area that Parramatta need to be aware of. But I think Parramatta can get some joy if they look at attacking down Cowboys' right edge because, I, as I said before, I don't think they're as connected as they possibly should be. Sunday night, Penrith $1.38, the Bunnies $3.10, 8.5 the line with Tab, Bunnies the plus. Uh, Loz, the two locks are so crucial to these two teams, Isaiah Yo and Cam mm. Murray. Well, they, they play that link role so well. So, so they, they get the ball as a first receiver, and what they're able to do is square up the defence. And by squaring up the defence, what, what you're trying to do is get the ball player to play early. So you tell your, your middle man to actually have good inside pressure. So if your middle man, your five or your six defender, or your one-off defender from the ruck, if he can get out and put pressure on the ball player, it makes him play early. So, But if you don't do that, your ball player digs into the line, your defence then has to stop. So by playing early, you allow your edge to have a better look and an earlier pass, because it's an earlier pass, so you don't have to make a decision too early. So you, you can stand, and then you can adjust. You stand and adjust, stand and adjust. But if there's no pressure, and he digs right into the line, and he digs into your five-man or your four-man, all of a sudden, if they've got shape out the back of that, you put pressure on your three-man, and you, who's a halfback, to make a decision whether he comes in, whether he stays out. Then the centre's got to follow and the winger has to follow as well. So that's what those two guys do so well. They play deep into the line. And if, you're, if you haven't got your forwards coming out and putting pressure on them, they just pick you apart. They, they pick you apart because they're able to spread your defence and you can't put as much pressure on, as, on them as you, as you want to. So it's very important when you play against a Murray or a, uh, Isaiah Yo that your tight forward, his job is to get out there and make them play early. Make them play early because if you allow them to dig into the line, they strip you for numbers on the edge. For all Luttrell's attacking prowess, his weakness I think we've seen this season is his field positioning at times at fullback. Yeah. And if there's one person who can pick that apart, it is Nathan Cleary. He's going to have to be very careful with that on on Saturday night. Yeah, and that's the key to South Sydney is how much pressure they can apply to Nathan Cleary's kicking game. Because you don't want to sit back and allow Nathan to put it where he wants to. Because he can put the ball high in the air with those spirals or the floating bombs. And the back three will be under a huge amount of pressure. So you've got to try and apply as much pressure as you possibly can. We've spoken about how their back three, they don't do a lot of work coming out of trouble or they're not as effective as some of the other teams. And you saw how the Roosters really attacked Luttrell in round 25. They went after mm-hmm. him. And that's something that Penrith will do this weekend. You know, They'll try and go after Luttrell Mitchell and try and make sure he knows he's in a contest. So they'll either pick out the winger or they'll give it to Luttrell and try and get down there when he's catching the ball and try and put him under as much pressure as they possibly can. But for South Sydney, it's about limiting the yardage of their back five, but having a total focus on kick chase, uh, kick pressure. And the kick pressure has to come from Mark Nichols, a cookie, uh, Totola. Don't, don't just save your energy for the ball, you know, when you've got the ball. And that's why I thought Parramatta did the previous week in round one. They saved all their energy for attack. 
and they didn't have any line speed at all in defence and they didn't put any pressure on Nathan Cleary. And if you're going to do that to Cleary, he'll just kick you to death, mm. as he sh- shown he can do. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. Not too many results going around this morning. Not much sport on, but as far as uh, later this morning in the NFL, two games today for their Monday night football. Buffalo $1.20 with tab. Tennessee $4.50. Philadelphia $1.67. They've trimmed up a bit against Minnesota $2.20. And two and a half is the line for that one. Eagles, the minus. Buffalo, 10-point favourites at the line against the Now, you're Titans. the NFL expert here, Mido. Well, Why is there two term. games today? Don't know. No it's idea. unusual, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Usually one game. Not yeah. sure. I, I like it, though. More for it. And they're starting at different times? Yes. So the Buffalo game starts at a quarter past nine. Yep. And Philadelphia, Minnesota's 10.30. And, of course, if you're a Tab account customer, you can watch these games on the Tab app. Right. I know there was some uh, issues with the vision yesterday, but by the end of the uh, morning, it was back. Can I ask you then yes. about the Tab app? Do I have to do anything differently to upgrade my Tab app, or will it just upgrade itself? Uh, well, I went into the Delete App Store. And start again. Yeah. Well, I went into the App Store and tried to um, refresh it that way because it usually says, what does it usually say when you need to up um, refresh an app? But it, it didn't work. So what I did, I actually deleted the app. That's the way to do it. Yes. Deleted the app and then went to the App Store yep. and start just again. got it Install again. Install it. Yeah. Right. So you go and just search Reinstall. Tab. Reinstall, that's the word, Clarky. What would yep. I do without you? Mm, lots. Uh, so, <laughs> you watched the, the service last night, Mido? Oh, I had on. it. I was flicking between that mate, and a couple of other shows. I did. But, How uh, good was it, mate? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Loz. they did it. It, it. It's amazing because it, with so much to go through, and I mean this respectfully, something had to go wrong, like, but it didn't. Every single part of it was just perfect for her. For Her Majesty, mm-hmm. and honestly, how emotional! And, and even, even the pitches, just oh my good! How how good a place is London? Yeah, it's I, just I, built for things like that. I I don't think there's anyone better in the world that could have done it. No, I, I watched it. I was glued to the television, and yeah, I, I, you know, I I felt for too, as in, um. Like how tough a job it would have been to carry the coffin for those oh, young guys yeah. carrying the oh, coffin. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you ever carried a coffin yeah. before, they're heavy. They are well, extremely they said, heavy. They said they said that coffin um, was over three hundred kilos. Wow, for the for the guys to yeah. carry and to walk down, um, you know, the church there in unison. Ah, it mm. was yeah. They they did it so well, and I couldn't take my eyes off the screen and. I was sitting there at one stage and it was like 20 to 10 and I'm thinking, geez, I need to go to bed. And then I, I, I couldn't go to bed. No, it was hard. I yeah. agree. I watched it as well. Hmm. Yeah, they did it well. I was moving stuff. Uh, tonight, Clarkie, uh, at midnight, India and Australia playing a 2020 international. Of course, this is all uh, lead up until the, well, I guess practice games almost for the 2020 World Cup coming on. But yep. it is, you know, a live 2020 international. India $1.55 with Tab Australia $2.45. Uh, we've got plenty of players not there. No Mitch Marsh. He's trying to get right, that ankle right heading towards the World Cup. So Steve Smith's going to bat at number three. There's mm. no Warner, Stoinis and Stark either. Tim David, come on down, set to play. 
And uh, looking forward to this, with all these runs he's scored in franchise cricket, no yeah. state contract, and he's going to play for Australia most likely tonight and make his debut. Yeah, a couple. I, I know you know not too many people will be watching the games live, that's for sure. But there, there's a bit of interest around that. Again, those two things you just mentioned, Tim David, what an opportunity! Um, he knows the Indian conditions from the IPL. He's played against just about all the Indian players through that domestic competition, but. This is his chance on a big stage to really grab hold of it, grab hold of his opportunity. And the other one, as you mentioned, this is a big chance for Smitty. He's in good nick. He's batting well, um, coming off 100 against New Zealand. He's fighting for a place in that top 11 for the World Cup, in my opinion, in this format, in the 2020 format. And I think it's, you know, that number three position is where he wants to bat, but Australia's been batting Mitchell Marsh there. So with Mitch's injury... If Smitty can make, you know, some runs in these three games, then the selectors have got a really tough battle on who they pick, who they go with for a World Cup at number three. So that's later tonight uh, on the text line here. Morning, fellas. How good is it to see Buddy Franklin sign a one-year extension? That says to me that there is something very special at the Swans. But could it also mean that after Kennedy has retired, the door is open for Dusty Martin? Could Buddy want to play... With Dusty for one season, cheers, Shire Raz. I'm sure I saw a report last week that Dusty has committed. To I the saw Tigers. Damien Hardwick speak after the yes. semi-final loss, saying that no, he'll definitely be yeah. here for two years. Mm. While it'd be nice to see Dusty here in Sydney, uh, I think that it certainly won't be for at least twelve months. It might be at the end of um, one more year, but and he mightn't see out that two-year period at the. Uh, Tigers, but I, I think that Dusty will definitely be there next year, and the coach sort of confirmed that after that semi final loss. Also on the tab app, hey boys, mine just automatically updated this morning, says Peter from Canberra, and I believe that yours And I've as got well mine as... happening, yes. So yours has done the same mine. thing. I've just updated mine. Uh, I got in there and had a look, I pressed a button. And it updated. So, <laughs> I thank you. A button. I, I didn't know what button I was pressing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I've looked at my bank account. <laughs> like the tab account. What? Six <laughs> figures in there? Oh, you want to read this? This is how good I'm going. Uh, $10.59. <laughs> That's a win. That's I've got $10 a win, left in my tab Mate, account. It's all right. You're, uh, you're plus. NFL, win. NFL multi this morning. Actually, you know what? Final $10. I'm what am I going to do with it? I'm going to tell you to put it on in the Norm Smith medal for the AFL GF. Here's where you're going to put your $10.59. Well, I'm going to go four to one. These are my four contenders, Lots. I've got two Geelong players and two Swans players. Right. So I'll make the case for each. Number four, yeah. Chad Warner, who's $18. Chad, what a season. He's a gun. Averaged 22 and a half disposals. Was in the extended All-Australian squad. Uh, he's ranked very high in the competition for score involvements, particularly since uh, about the round 15 mark. So you know that he's going to have impact on the game if the Swans are going to do well, and you're getting $18. With the Swans, I'm looking around not probably the obvious players. Mm-hmm. So Chad Ward, when, when I say the obvious players, Callum Mills and Luke Parker. They're the two who are, hot, uh, are hard in the market for the Norm Smith. So I'm probably looking around those two. So Chad Warner, $18. Uh, number three is the obvious, Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, at that game the other night, he was uh, the best player on the park there, particularly in the first half. Seven dollars. He is the favourite, so he's the obvious. The other Geelong player, though, and this is the if I'm, I'm going to have two Norm Smith bets, yeah, one for each team, and these are the two bets I'm having. Yep. 
The Geelong player I'm backing is Tom Stewart. $14. Took the words out of my mouth. Averages nearly 24 disposals. Best intercept defender in the competition. He just generates so much for the Cats from down back. Pivotal player. Huge impact on the game. Probably get a lot of the ball. $14. My Swan. And this is where you're putting your $10.59 because we're with the Swans to win the Premiership on Saturday. Isaac Heaney, $16. All-Australian. He can win the ball and also impact the scoreboard, which reminds me very much that the Swans' only Norm Smith medal winner was Ryan O'Keefe in 2012 because, of course, Chris Judd won it when we won the flag in 2005. Ryan O'Keefe's that player. Wins the ball and has impact on the scoreboard. So Heaney does that. X-factor, 48 goals for the season. Hasn't been goalless since round 10. $16 with tab. $10.59 on. What does that get you? 160 bucks plus. Have you put I'll it tell on? you what, uh, Mido, all four selections, I reckon, are very, very good. Um, you know what I see happening in this game? This is, this is my prediction in this game. I think it'll be like a Swans West Coast type game. Are oh, you going low scoring? I, I, and I know that they can score big, Ge- Geelong, but I just think this will be a tight contest. I, I really do. I think it'll be a tight contest and it might come down to a defender. Um, we need to check the weather as well. Oh, <laughs> what's the weather like? Uh, so Saturday, oh, showers easing, top of 15 degrees mm, forecast cold. for Saturday in Melbourne. Yeah. Last Saturday, it was raining sideways and then sunny within a two-hour period. So I'm going to go a fairy tale. I'm going to go Paddy McCartan. Oh, that is a fairy tale. With all the the issues that he and the challenges that he's faced, we all thought his career was going to be over. He was the number one draft pick for St Kilda. We all know the story with his head knocks. Um, he's had an amazing season with the Sydney Swans and... He's playing some really good football, he and his brother, down back. Mm. And I'd love to see the fairy tale happen. There you go. 51. 51 51 bucks. I think the last out-and-out defender to win it was Brian Lake at Hawthorne in 2013. He was about 100 to 1. So... Did he win two or three comps in a row? Because he moved from Footscray, or Western Bulldogs, when they were losing, and then went into the Hawthorne system, and I think he at least won two in a row. Brian Lake. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think he might have retired ahead of their third, third one. straight premiership. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Norm Smith in 2013. So that would be a fairy tale. $51. Yeah, probably not going to happen, but that's who I'm going to Well, if you got the, for. If you got 10 bucks, that's who you're putting it on. Yeah. Go yeah. for glory. Well, 500. The glory. Beautiful. Day. I'm all about glory. <laughs> no guts, no glory, Mido. <laughs> Pup, you happy with us? We buddy. stated made the case no, for you. You're with get, Buddy. Get on, Buddy. He's going to kick. I reckon he'll kick five. Twenty-one dollars, Lance Franklin. He'll kick five in the GF. G. Tom Papley's been good too, isn't he? Wouldn't you love to play with him? He's Just a Josh Reynolds of the AFL. <laughs> oh, twenty-one dollars for Papley. Uh, but uh, yeah, plenty of markets open. Adam Pengilly, good morning. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Still trying to work out our lots. Only got ten dollars left in that account. <laughs> Yeah, Only ten bucks. Ten dollars fifty nine too. What ten dollars fifty nine cents come from? A little mm. trifecta or something from a while ago or No. How'd it work? No, I had well I won't tell you what I I did on the weekend. <laughs> okay. 
No, I had a, no. I had a play at something. All in. <laughs> and it's not going to run? No, 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 not for this weekend, last weekend. Okay. Yeah. The worst so, thing about the all-in bets, too, are when they just sit there until the race. Mm. Like, they're just a terrible reminder. Most of the time, aren't they, Adam? Like, how, how many times have you had an all-in bet just sitting there when you know the horse isn't going to end up going there? And, and there's nothing worse when it scratches on race morning. Oh, yeah, horrendous. Mm. Mm. Well, I already you save it for the multi lot. Save your $10.59 for the multi this week and just back yourself. Yeah, put it on your own. Good call. Yeah, well, I've, I've done that in the past. Like, I always have something on mm. the multi. But this week, you know what? I'll have a bit more time to have a look because mm. we've got to public holiday Thursday, haven't we? Is that right? Are we yep. working Thursday? No, we're not? not. No? Yes? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> I've not taken happening. the day off, so yep. I'm assuming we're not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what you can also put it on, Loz, is uh, on very elegant, Adam. $21 all in for the Arc de Triomphe Longchamp October 2. They're going that way. Yeah, I'm excited, Jared, as well as a little bit nervous. Um, it's a huge call by the ownership group to, to take on this race and, and pay the late entry fee. Obviously, they sent it to Europe with the plan of trying to get to the after triumph. The first couple of runs in Europe probably haven't been the very elegant that we know and love. We've seen Australia over the best course of the last three or four seasons. But it's a great sporting gesture, isn't it? To have a crack at this race, one of the most famous races in the world. Uh, I, I think your ownership group are under no illusions. It's going to be a mighty task to be competitive in a race like this. I'd imagine if the rain comes, uh, that might give her a bit more of a chance on, on Sunday week at Longchamp there, but we'll wait and see how she goes. But I'm also nervous. I don't want to see her you know, sort of run a really poor race or tail off in, in a race like this to potentially be a, a final race of her career. I hope it doesn't diminish her legacy, but it's going to be a great theatre nonetheless to see her join that very select group of Australian New Zealand horses who have taken on the Arc de Triomphe. Adam, how's Animo travelling, buddy? Yeah, some really good news, Clarkie. Uh, Racing New South Wales set a bet out there to Osborne Park yesterday to inspect him after all those issues after he won on the weekend in um, the George Main Stakes. And the news was good. He's uh, obviously not trotted up with too much lameness there yesterday afternoon, so he's improved markedly in the last 48 hours, which was really good news for James Cummings, Vin Cox and the whole Godolphin team. Because I think there's some pretty, a fair bit of concern in the immediate aftermath of that race on the weekend, but he might be out for an extended period. But thankfully, it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. So I'm monitoring him in the next week or two and see how he comes up. But all the signs are positive at the moment. Hopefully get to see him a couple more times in the spring, uh, sort of heading towards that Cox Plate. When do we see Artorias back and running here in Australia, Adam? Yeah, this is quite fascinating, Loz. He's going to be on the first shipment of European horses coming down to Australia for the spring carnival. Obviously, he had that three-start campaign over there in Europe. I was luckless in a couple of them there and, and ran really well. But just his racing pattern worked against him. Now, Anthony and Sam Friedman are thinking about maybe having just a hit-and-run mission in the in the champion sprint on the final day of the Flemington Carnival as his one run in the in the spring, trying to take on a Group 1. And, and who knows what the strength of that field could be like, particularly for the likes of Nature Strip Day in Sydney and potentially running that winner's stakes at, at Rose Hill on Golden Eagle Day. It might not be the strongest Group 1 going around. So he's busting to win one, isn't he? Um, he's had his hoof on the till for a while. He's a very talented horse. He just needs everything to go right from in his races. And who's to say that down the straight there at Flemington in a race where it might be just a bit of a second-tier sort of Group 1 field, if we can put it in those terms, it might be a really nice race for him. Thank you, Adam. Have a good day. See you, boys. We'll chat tomorrow.